From the grassy plains of Lothal to the world between worlds, this is the Star Warriors podcast. Star Wars Rebels was the successor to the Clone Wars, but it was also Disney's first slice of the Star Wars pie. Starting in 2014, it ran for four seasons and a total of 75 episodes, ending in 2018. Today, we're going to talk all about that show and what it means to us. And for that, as usual, I have some of my favorite scruffy-looking nerf herders on the air. So joining me today are Ruben, Moses, Yo. Casey, Jake, and Rocco. Uh, so guys, you know, we're all familiar with uh, the format of this show. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it right off uh, because, you know, we've, we've talked about Clone Wars uh, in extent uh, with the last, you know, the final season finally coming up this year. Uh, so we did, we did talk about that a little bit. And so I'm going to ask a very similar question about the two shows, uh, seeing that Rebels is the successor to the Clone Wars. It's uh, all, it's all felony, uh, felony goodness. So again, what did you like more or less about Rebels in comparison to the Clone Wars? And let's start with Ruben. <clears throat> yeah, all that felony goodness. He can do no wrong, at least, <laughs> at least not yet. Um, yeah, man. Um, I think when it comes to when it comes to Rebels, in contrast to uh, to Clone Wars, I think what I liked a lot about it was again the fact that it was exploring a timeline that we hadn't seen. You know, between that Revenge of the Sith and and A New Hope, um, it also felt like A New Hope to me. You know, like that first episode. Um, it's just you know Ezra Bridger sta- standing you know in that in that tower where he's living and he's looking out on Lothar and then you know John Williams score rises up and all of a sudden you see a star destroyer and it's just it's one of those things where it's just like it just felt like home um so you know it was just something that I instantly connected with it felt like Star Wars uh so I think that that's what I like most about it uh Clone Wars just you know it was filling in the prequels for me. And yeah, there was a lot of cool and great storylines in that show. Um, without a doubt, but it was, it also felt like, you know, I knew those characters and, and, uh, and I, and I knew where they're, where they were going to end up. So it was that, I think that's what I, I loved most about rebels was that I actually feared for, for that crew. And I worried about all the characters on that show constantly, uh, from episode to episode. Yeah, it's a little bit it's a little bit tougher when you know you know the fate of certain characters. But um, yeah, those are those are really good parallels as well because I also felt that it felt a lot like uh, New Hope. So that's uh, I like that. Um, Moses, um, I'm on the same boat. Uh, you know, I loved Clone Wars, but Rebels to me was more special. I was more invested in the characters. Um, it's one of my issues I have with prequels or historical parts when you know the future you don't have that danger for some of the characters and you know none of these characters are in the movies four five and six and so on um and so you don't know while you're watching it who's going to make it who's going to you know who isn't um so there was more investment in those i love the characters a lot more as well um other than ahsoka who's in both obviously um, but even from, I mean, I was sold on this show from the first episode. It was, to me, it was this combination of both A New Hope and um, The Phantom Menace. Because, you know, to see how Kanan noticed Ezra just doing stuff that were little, you know, 
over the top for a normal human being. Obviously, the force was with him. And it just, you know, the way he looked, the way the music was composed right there, it was just like that magic that it, it was even more than A New Hope. It was like that feeling that you want to get when you're just like, oh, that's that, that's it. That's it. You know, when you see someone who's part of that world and his story is starting. And so I was caught immediately with that. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. There is, um, I think that the impression, like both you and Ruben have just talked about, uh, that it delivered that new Star Wars feel with the with a lot of nostalgia. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Casey, I remember you and I were at uh, New York City Comic Con and we saw that panel where they revealed Rebels before. It was revealed to the world, you know, like that was the very first time that you knew that this show was coming and they kept showing all this Ralph McQuarrie artwork and, um, you know, the, his original sketches and how they really were drawing upon that uh, for inspiration. And then even though, yes, it does have that Clone Wars animation uh, feel to it as well, but you know, even using the designs of McCory from like his original Chewbacca to what we saw with Zeb and, and stuff like that. Um, it just felt like, okay, this is going to be a different show. And to Ruben's point, uh, you know, we, the characters, I don't know what these guys are going to do. I assume they're all going to die because <laughs> I've never seen them before. And I, you know, and I don't really know. So um, I, I definitely was more invested in them than any of the people that I've already seen in, in the prequels. So um, it felt a little shaky at first for me. And then throughout, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but throughout the next four years, even though I will say, I think four years was good. I think if that show went on further, it would have sucked. Like it just would have negated the previous seasons. Personally, I think that when they went out, it was on such a high note that it was like, whew, now this show has, I only think of good things about it. So um, overall, very, very happy with Rebels, uh, very happy from the get-go. And Ruben also mentioned John Williams' score, maybe, because Kevin Kiner does Clone Wars, and he does Rebels, and he does it in a really effing great way where... Um, there has been times where I have to listen and go, is it Kevin Kiner or is it John Williams? Because he does such a good job. Unlike even don't, you know, we could talk about Ludwig Gorenson all day. Um, Michael Giacchino is my boy, but the Rogue One soundtrack is forgettable in many ways. But Kevin Kiner's music, I'll remember some of those sweeping scores. So um, anyway, that's it. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you for bringing up that memory of Comic-Con. That was, yeah, I, I, that was great to get that preview. And then also, was it the, when we went to Celebration, did we see the final season preview? Or was it the third season? Because we went to Celebration in like 2016, 17. Celebration Maybe it was, was 2017, because three years ago. That. So it was for the final season. Yeah. Yep. 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 So we got cool. that preview there. It was great. Yep. Awesome. All right, Jake. The world building. Um, the fact we got new characters, that it was semi-lowered in where we were in the universe, but we got such a great understanding for what life was like under the Empire, 
the oppression, also some of the other things going on in the universe. I did love a lot of the times that they shoo-ined known characters like Obi-Wan and Darth Maul. Um, I think there were, there's one example. I think Princess Leia was done poorly in it in just that it didn't make sense as much as you think it would. Um, but outside of that, the world building was great in there and Lando too. Yeah, absolutely. The, the characters were very dynamic. Um, the world building I loved as well. And I think like also to mention the inquisitors, a concept that was, um, from like expanded universe, like old star Wars, like, or I don't even know what it came up like RPG, maybe, you yeah. know, so it was like such an obscure thing. And I think that's the great thing about Filoni. And as he continues to, you know, grow his universe, the, the introductions of these old ideas and just bringing that all together to create that, that Star Wars feel. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. And Rocco. Yeah. I mean, I think for me and so between the two, I'm definitely uh, more of a Clone Wars fan. And the only reason that would be is because I like that time period a lot. I think that the show did a better job than the fucking prequels did at at giving us what happened during the Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, hearing about the Clone Wars as a kid before the prequels were even a thing. And then getting the prequels we got and being like, eh, and then getting Clone Wars and be like, oh, OK, this is what it is. And plus... I love Ahsoka and she's in almost every episode of Clone Wars, but the rebels. And I think Jake said it best is that it really gave you a look and feel really a feel of that oppression and what was going on like Tarkin town. And when Vader was like, <laughs> raise it to the ground um, just to lure them. I mean, first of all, for a kid, for a supposed kid show, that's a cartoon. Like, you know, uh, that was pretty rough. <laughs> that was like that kind of nitty grittiness of how awful the Empire really was. I, I love that. I, I love that. And, and you really it was a very large world that they made very small with that crew. And to be honest with you, I had to give Rebels multiple watches and I watched it again these past two weeks, knowing that this podcast was coming and, um, you know, it got it got better every time I watched it. I, I cared about the characters more every time I watched it. And for me, that never changed with Clone Wars, where it was just like, OK, I just I enjoy this. I just enjoy this with Rebels. I actually like the more I watched it, the more I really gave a shit about every single one of these these folks on the, on this group. So. For me, that's what I really loved about Rebels over Clone Wars, but I'm a Clone Wars fanboy. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Moss. Um, I think I speak for all of us here. An important factor is uh, whether we like Clone Wars or Rebels more. Um, as much as we all loved Rebels, something that made it so good is is Clone Wars. Some of the characters that are there are there. Yes. Like, you know, Maul. Yes. And, and I honestly, like... I love Rebels more, and I want to tell someone who hasn't seen it, you need to watch Rebels. Oh, have you seen Clone Wars? Don't watch it until you've seen Clone Wars. Like, <laughs> yeah. because that, uh, I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about it later, but I know, like, we were talking about, you know, we were texting about favorite scenes. Ahsoka and Rex, man, when they, ugh, like, 
those were built because of Clone Wars. And I think Clone Wars in itself makes Rebels so much more special. Yes, and I think that even after yeah. watching the final season, I have to go back and watch Rebels again um, because I think Rock was the only one that did his homework in the last couple of weeks. Solidly, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um, so you guys brought up a lot of good points. Uh, it's a very rich world. And now this, this question's going to be tough because there's so many good characters on the show. Uh, and I have a hard time really nailing down which one I like the most. So I want you guys to do that. If you want to bring in another character to relate to this one, that makes it a great find. Just don't go off on too much of like the whole team. I want you to stick with one character. All right. Can you do that for me? <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's, let's do the same order. Go. All right. So <clears throat> it's, it's a tough call because I adore, I mean, each and every single member of that team so much. Um, but uh, Ezra Bridger, I mean, Ezra is my son's middle name, you know, like uh, because of Ezra Bridger. Um, you know, uh, first and foremost, what Padawan goes up against Vader and lives, okay, um, uh, his first time out. And uh, <laughs> you have me, maybe. <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> facts, facts. Um, you know, but. Uh, but it's one of those things where the journey that that he goes on, um, you know, right from the beginning where he's alone and he's living in that in that loneliness, so to speak. And, and he doesn't he doesn't know what a, a real family is. Um, and and then you go through through that first season. And by the time you get to Pat, the episode of Path of the Jedi, um, where he gets his, his kyber crystal and he communes with Yoda um, and. And again, you know, it's mirrored with 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 uh, with, with Kanan speaking with Yoda as well about about training Ezra. Like all of that is just amazing, you know, to me as you know, for for a character, for a kid character. Um, and and then. Let, like, let's not even talk about his force powers, like like there's the kid's got premonitions. He sees the future. He can commute. He can he can control animals. He's just strong with the force. Like he's he was born to be a Jedi, you know. And uh, and that to me, like it just said so much about about that show um, and what they were trying to get across about that point in time in in the universe that they you you needed a guiding light. And I think that 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 that, that that's what Ezra was for the whole Ghost team. You know, for Kanan to Hera uh, to Sabine, uh, you know, even a Zeb. Like they all needed. They all needed hope, and I think that that's what Ezra provided. So for me, it's like, like he's he's my favorite, hands down. Um, plus, his lightsaber's badass, man. Come on, like he came down. Like, like I love that episode because like Kanan immediately grabs it and is like, "Well, it's definitely you," you know. And 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 in the next, you know, we don't even get to see him use it. And in the next episode, he uh, he has to use it, and he's fighting with the lightsaber. And then they take cover and he brings down the blade and he goes out and he takes a shot out of it. And you're just like, what? It's a blaster too? Like, hold up. And so to me, he's just, you know, everything that Star Wars is supposed to be. Um, it's, you know, hopeful, joyful, uh, you know, full of life and ready to make a difference. Um, so I think Ezra speaks to me the loudest on, on that show. 
I'm glad you brought the lightsaber. I was going to ask you because I know that was kind of a debate amongst us not too long ago, but yeah, friendly debate as usual. Um, but yeah, I um, just in regards to the lightsaber, when when Kanan has to use it in the Inquisitor battle, it's one of my favorite parts too. It's just like you didn't like it, but it's useful, huh? Oh, there yeah. you go. <laughs> All right, Moses. Yeah, I mean, I like how in, uh, in Galaxy's Edge they have like the realistic version of it, and it's like I hope they go it goes for sale at some point. Man. Yes, um, just yeah, like obviously a lot of the characters are just amazing. Ezra is is definitely one, and Hera is one to me. Um, Ahsoka, obviously, but I connect her more to Clone Wars. To me, my favorite character, probably not only in Rebels but all time Star Wars, to be honest, is Kanan. I I just love him because. He's both part of the, you know, the prequel stories and the Clone Wars, and he's part of, you know, what builds up to the rebellion of the original Star Wars movies. Um, and I've always been like a fan of the gritty and the depressing stories and movies and stuff. Um, and, you know, I always see the glass half empty. And to me, Kanan kind of represented that. He was just like, you know, he lost his master. Everything went down when he was young, and he kind of just gave up on that. And through Hera, he kind of found that hope. But it was mostly through Ezra and trying to be a master to Ezra that almost saved him himself. And you see that that change. I mean, I, I loved his how from season one and how he acts when he first meets Ezra to, you know, his last episodes in season four. And you see like how much he's grown, how much he's changed, how much more he got connected to the force. And I just, I love that. I mean, I'm all about Kanan. I, you know, I, I try to catch up on the, the two little comic book series that they did with him. And I'm currently reading the book and I love the book too. You know, it's a little different than I expected of who Kanan is, but it's showing a lot of that. He's at that point where he, he's just like, disconnected from like i you know he he's practically forgotten about it just to survive and is he has that bitterness you know uh, uh, on life which you know in, in a realistic aspect that's i feel that in me sometimes because you know we do live in some dark times and and i you know him finding ezra and being with hera in that group and slowly redeeming himself and finding his way i love his journey through those shows and yeah, I mean, Kanan's my favorite. And then, you know, I don't want to put too many spoils on for whoever hasn't seen this because you got to go see it. But those last, see that last episode, man, they did that. I think we were talking about Dark Tower. And for those who have read the books, there's this, you know, how Stephen King writes that story in like little chapters, whether that be a paragraph or a couple pages long. There's this one line in book seven, the last book of the Dark Tower. And it's like that premonition kind of storytelling where he go, they go, it was the last time they were all standing together. And those, I don't know if it was one or two episodes with Kanan, but you felt it. Something was different. He had almost like knew what was coming. He had just kind of accepted it. And there was a, it was a different Kanan. It was a whole new Kanan. And it was just like that premonition. This isn't good. And it was so well written and it, accumulated to that my all-time favorite scene i mean just thinking about that scene just like breaks my heart but yeah kanan all the way he's like my favorite yeah that's it's definitely one of the saddest star wars scenes of all time honestly it's 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 such a like you know it's coming 
but you don't, and then you have to watch it happen. And like you, I mean, um, I'm glad you brought up the book and the comic. A New Dawn is a, is a good book. Um, it was also the very first uh, new new canon novel that came out, which was showing how much they really wanted to push this show at first. And it was such a strong entry. You know, we can talk for hours about the prequels, or not rather, the sequels and debate them and stuff and have our issues, but they came out strong out of the gate. And then a lot of people gave them a lot of, you know, a lot of hate for that. But um, if you guys haven't read the comics, the comics, the comic run, the, the miniseries is really good as well. So awesome. Thank you, Moses. All right, Casey. Um, yeah, you know, Moses had to get me all emotional because my favorite's also Kanan. <laughs> it, you know what, though? And part of it is because of that comic book series. Um, I liked New Dawn. I did not love it. And it was just because of the writing. It was I just couldn't. Yeah, I, I guess. I just was like, I expected more from it. Like, I really wanted to get more into the relationship with Hera and Kanan. And the show uh, does a better job for me with that. And even they don't do a explicit over the head until all of a sudden it's like oh they got a kid and you're like okay well cool and the kiss sorry and the kiss and you're like okay you finally confirmed it after four years and it's like a jim and pam situation or something <laughs> but um besides all that uh i think he's just the most the most emotionally complex of definitely all the rebels and probably everybody period in in star wars really you know what I mean? Kind of everybody has their own like little arcs and even Leia is Leia th through and through. Han, yeah, he's a scoundrel, but as soon, soon as he's in Empire Strikes Back, you kind of and even halfway through A New Hope, like you see that he really likes Leia and then that just continues on. Kanan, I didn't quite know what to think of him. I didn't trust him at first. You know what I mean? I didn't really know much about him and and is he really, does he care about Ezra? Does he really even care about Hera? Like, what is his real goals and plots with this whole situation? And then when I read that comic and got more into his backstory, I was like, okay, I see where this kid came from. If I escaped Order 66 and went through that same shit, like, all right, I get it. And then obviously like you said you do feel it those last few episodes you feel it you you quite literally know something's off compared to the normal puffer pigs and other bullshit that happens throughout the series and like this is gonna feel and, and be heavier uh to you um so yeah kanan to me is is definitely um one of if not the most well-rounded character in star wars um he has a complete arc in my opinion though you do have to get some ancillary material in order to fully flesh him out but that's star wars you didn't know wicket's name until you read the back of a toy so you know <laughs> it's fine and i'm okay with that i get it but um yeah through and through i i think like even though i do like everybody i love sabine actually i don't super care about zeb but hair I love. Uh, Ezra. Carabast. <laughs> Ezra has his moments. Like, Ezra to me is the audience. 
Ezra to me is the audience going from a very small, like bewildered child and turning more into a uh, more adult Star Wars viewer throughout the series. And, and I appreciate that for that journey and that discovery through it. Um, but at the same time, you kind of feel, even though we don't know what his ultimate story is, I kind of feel like at least throughout the course of the show, there was that couple moments where you thought he might go to the dark side, but that was it. And it quickly, in my mind, almost got like, well, no, he's not. Okay. I mean, that was, between was a, between seasons, it was like, that wasn't a thing. It was, was all like leading up to it. Uh, the Force Awakens, like a lot of us thought we were like, I remember talking, we thought that he could have been Snoke, right? Like we were just like, one of the theories, just like, oh, could this be this kid right. turn into that? And and that was coinciding with what he was going through in the show at the time. Yeah. And that and that would have been a great arc. But as it stands right now, Ezra to me is a little bit more mature than how he first started for sure. Definitely. But at the same time, he's still that audience member waiting for am I gonna grow up? Am I going to fully accept the force and 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 where am I going to go in my journey? Uh, or sorry, you know where Luke is going for the most part. <laughs> Ryan Johnson has different ideas, but anyway. <laughs> uh, it's a good Long breakdown. Long story short, Kane is my favorite. There you go. Perfect breakdown. I do like uh, that. I like that audience idea about about Ezra as well I can see that um but his story is far from over and we'll talk about that in a little while but um go ahead Jake uh Agent Kalis is my favorite character um I know he's not part of the main crew at all <laughs> Fulcrum <laughs> but I think he actually has one of the most complete arcs in the entire series um, outside of actually Kanan probably has the most complete arc, but, uh, uh, from seeing how he starts to see the cracks in the empire and how it's wrong to him turning to you, not knowing whether or not he turned, then finding out that he did, and then actually caring whether or not he made stupid enough decisions to die and figuring out he survived and then figuring out what he originally thought was his original sin of killing off Zeb's race, he didn't do it, that they were still living. And I just thought that was an amazing arc. Yeah, that I'm glad you brought up Callus. That is uh that is an excellent answer. Um I I really liked his character character as well. And then when him and Zeb like did a whole, you know, bloody cop thing towards the end of the series, it was just I love that. And I like those episodes. Um, so that, yeah, I'm really, that's a really good answer, Jake. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Rocco. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny, Jake, that you bring up Callus cause I was actually going to say something uh, about Callus, even though he wasn't my favorite character. Um, I got a real American history X kind of vibe with Callus, <laughs> like, you know, uh, his obvious racism towards that one group, uh, his pride of wiping them off 
the their you know out of existence and then obviously his arc at the end um anyway talking about who my favorite character is i think we've kind of beaten this you know beaten this to death here but i would have to say kanan is one of the great one of the best written characters in all of star wars um the way he was written was just fantastic is he my favorite in all star wars no but in rebels obviously definitely my favorite character um from what was it 22 pickup to his evolution at the end where he saves everyone i mean when he i think the thing i i i really liked is that you started where he was so afraid of who he really was that he wouldn't even carry his lightsaber completed. He would, and the Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitor, actually said that to him that he was such a coward that he wouldn't even, you know, uh, wear his lightsaber to where he was at the end. Um, I mean, all of your points on Kanan have already been brought up. I agree with, I agree with every single thing you said. Um, but yeah, that his arc, the way he was written, uh, so happy to hear his voice in Rise of Skywalker. Um, the way he grew by teaching Ezra, um, that was such a huge part of his growth. And then uh, again, you all already said it, but those last couple episodes, he, he absolutely knew what his fate was. And the thing about it is, is if you look at him from the first season to that point, he was always so scared or uncertain about showing that he's a Jedi to then being so brave to know I'm probably going to die during this mission. Like I know I'm going to die during this mission and just goes and does it and, and saves everyone. Um, I just, I think he's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It's the a perfect one quality, but without being aloof, like you see the damage order 66 yeah. on him versus, and obviously, you know, that's, excusable because when obi-wan when we saw obi-wan in the originals you know the prequels weren't written so yeah here you have filoni being able to capture that damage that the emotional damage that something you know caused and see how it played out you know and same with ahsoka she was dealing with it in her own way oh um, yeah oh yeah no, abs- absolutely that that whole like challenging your faith and then coming back stronger than you were before is is definitely defined by Kanan. Like you guys said, I mean, if you look at it as a, a successful Jedi story in all of Star Wars, it is the best one. <laughs> I mean, that's arguable. But if we all are agreeing here and we're crying at the end when he dies, it's like, obviously, I cried more than when Luke faded away into nothingness in The Last Jedi. You know, so it's because... I don't because I don't even know. I've been connected to Luke since I was a kid, but the way that Kane was written and he progressed, it was just it was such a it's such a great greatly written uh, character arc. And I believe I want to say was the show about him? Do you think ultimately it was Kanan's show, huh. or is it Ezra? Like I always thought maybe it was this story about a kid like like Luke in A New Hope. But here we have. Like the challenge here was what happened to this Jedi who suffered, you know, Order 66 survived it and then came back during the Civil War to do, you know, to do good, even though he didn't really that wasn't really his path. 
Go ahead, Jake. I was just going to say, I think for me, part of the reason Kanan's death hit more. Uh, can you not hear me? There we go. It was just a little low. You're good. Oh, okay. Uh, part of the reason that Kanan's death hit more is you knew it was permanent. Luke, you knew Obi-Wan as a force ghost, trained him to become a force ghost, and Luke wasn't a permanent death. Kanan never got that training, and when he died, he died. And that made his death stronger. Yeah, well, I will say that when, like, like that, that, that episode, and we talked about it, where he's got to use Ezra's lightsaber for the first time when he's going against the Grand Inquisitor, and uh, and he's you know on one knee, and and you know Ezra had just been forced pushed off the bridge, and he thought he had lost Ezra, and 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 he was like, well, you know, he's like, now I've got nothing left to fear, you know, because that was that was in in a lot of ways what he was most scared of was taking on this apprentice. And, and losing him, whether, you know, him, him be dying or him going to the dark side. And when he goes up against the Grand Inquisitor, like at that moment, like he just, he, like even Ezra, uh, Hera's calling him over the comm link and she's like, she's like, is Kanan okay? And he's like, she, he's like, Ezra responds, he's like, yeah, he's, he's better than okay. Cause he's just like going at the Grand Inquisitor with like everything he's got. And, you know, the prior episodes, the Grand Inquisitor has, has, was, was besting him, was, was beating him at, 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 at saber fighting. So it was like, it was one of those things where it's like, again, yeah, I love Kanan as well because, you know, the more that he grew in confidence and the more that he went back to his training, uh, the better he got. Uh, and the more of it, and, the, and probably like, like all of you have touched on, the most well-rounded Jedi uh, in terms of story that we've gotten so far. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, we do have to do an honorable mention. Jake, you're right. Chopper um, is definitely one of the greatest droids of all time. Yes. Um, it's just his snarkiness. The fact that he shows up in Rogue One, like all this stuff that they were building during that, you know, that, that cannon building is just, it was great. And I, I loved, I loved Chopper. It's probably my favorite. I mean, I honestly like him more than R2. Sorry, R2. I know you're the threat of all the movies, but I love wow. him. He's, he's such a POS, man. He just does not care about anything. K2SO as well is another good addition yeah. to the Detroit yeah. family. So yeah. my favorite. Oh, I want a figure. I want a figure of him. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. I love I love K two. Um, well, actually, when we talk, well, I, I, I'm actually I'm gonna bring him up when it comes to like when we want where we want these guys to show up, and uh, definitely K two is we need to do a droid episode for sure, right? Because yeah. we can Write talk down. droids. Write it yes. down. <laughs> we can talk droids. Great idea. All right, excellent idea. All right, uh, next question. Let's talk about Grand Admiral Thrawn. So. Thrawn was a huge addition to this show. Uh, a lot of a lot of people were upset about the change from the EU to New Canon. Uh, a, a lot of great characters were established in the EU, including Thrawn. And so, when they decided to bring him in, a lot of a lot of people were excited. Uh, Timothy Zahn wrote a new trilogy of books. Uh, he was the he was you know he was the author that created him back in the '90s with the um, the whole heir to the Empire and whatnot. But um, so. With with him showing up in the show, did you like did you like his transition? Uh, if you were familiar with him before, 
Um, and if you weren't familiar with him before, um, you can talk about, you know, the thoughts on New Canon Thrawn, uh, if you've read the books and whatnot. So, all right, uh, Ruben, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, there's so much that I could say about Grand Admiral Thrawn. I think he's probably one of the best villains that Star Wars has, uh, hands down. Um, way more dangerous in my mind than, than any of the moths that we've seen. Um, and in a lot of ways, even Vader, because Vader was very, you know, it was by, by the time we get Vader, he's conflicted. You know, he's already, he's already gone to, to question himself. And, uh, and Thrawn doesn't do that. <laughs> you know, Thrawn doesn't question his tactics. Um, I loved, I remember reading those books and I thought one of the, one of the most interesting things, uh, about his character was about how he breaks down the way people think through their art, through their civilization's art. Um, and I thought that that was so smart. That was almost like some art of war tactic like that, you know, Zahn came up with. I don't, I don't know, you know, exactly where he got that, but it was, it was, excuse the language, fucking gold. You know what I'm saying? Like that was, and then they bring that in to K2. Uh, they bring that in to, um, to Rebels uh, very well. Uh, I, I think uh, the fact that they brought Zahn on uh, to write episodes uh, to bring, you know, to bring uh, that character in, I thought it made the show because there was plenty of good bad. There was plenty of great bad guys. I mean, we get a healthy dose of Vader right from the start. Uh, we get uh, Tarkin. Uh, Callus is a linchpin throughout the whole thing. Uh, but Thrawn, man, like just, you know, and I, and I'm kicking myself in the in the ass because I didn't I didn't look up who it was that voiced him, but whoever did it, um, I give my hats off to him because like he, it, he embodied that character. He gave that character the exact voice that I heard in my head, the, like his cadence, the way he would speak when I was reading uh, the Heir to the Empire trilogy books. Uh, you know, that's how I imagined him. And I worried um, Lars Mickelson. There we go. Lars Mickelson is, is a beast because he brought Thrawn to life and he did a great job um he's smart cunning uh he's one of those you know articulate like he was just very you know just too smart like re it wasn't about him relying on the force uh or 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 anything like that it was just all battle tactician and i worried about him and he made me he made me worried for the rebels because i was at uh, you know at, at at some point i you know i knew he was going to checkmate so to speak um, and he, he got them a few times and luckily, you know, they were, they were, they were able to, to get out from under his thumb. But, but in the end, you know, we all know that him, you know, that, that, that Ezra had to take him out of, you know, that, that specific timeline or whatever you want to call it, um, to put an end to him for that moment. Because if not, he was, he was a rabid dog. He wasn't going to stop. I mean, in the books, we know what happens to him in the books. Um, but. But again, it, it, the way the show wrote him and played him, he was like a—he was like the liquid Terminator. He wasn't gonna stop, you know. Like he was gonna—he was gonna bring these guys down one way or the other. Absolutely. All right, go ahead, Moses. Um, I knew of Thrawn. I hadn't read any of the books, um, and I forget what his race is. And but I, you know, I, I remember like I knew there was a chess. I'm sorry. The chiss. 
the chist. So I knew like that and I, and um but I didn't know anything of him. But I remember when you know when he appeared in Rebels, I was I knew enough like not of his story that but how villainous he was that as soon as I saw him, I was just like, oh shit. Like even before he even did anything. And I'm glad you mentioned, you know, the art of war, but yeah, man, that was the epitome of a strategist who just always thinks ahead. You know, he was the way he talked, the way he just constantly stayed calm. There was this air about him and, you know, star Wars and a lot of movies, a lot of stories, you know, the villain sometimes always tends to be the cool guy. Vader was the cool one, you know, my little five-year-old niece loves Kylo Ren because of how he looks. And then you got, you know, other bad guys that are in between that are kind of cool too, but they're not Vader. They're not, you know, Kylo Ren. They're not, but he's that, you know, he is, he's there. And he got to the point where I, you know, I, I was fearing for the rebels because, because of him. I was fearing for the team because of him. Yet at the same time, when everything is going down near the end, I was just like, I don't want him to die. I realized, I was like, don't kill him. Let's just, let's keep him around because this is Star Wars and he belongs here. So, I, you know, I love how they ended it with him. And obviously, you know, that that open door, that open ending is, is, is great for a character like him. But, um, you know, Palpatine's the super lord, evil bad guy. You know, Vader's obviously still the best villain of Star Wars. But, you know, thinking of all the villains... I would say Thrawn is my second favorite, hands down, hands down. Like he is, he, if I ever wrote a story, if I ever saw him, like he is, if I have to imagine a art, you know, a, a general villain, that's him, that he is that. Absolutely. Uh, you bring up a good point. Uh, I like that you brought up the fact that he's, it's more recognizable with these other bad guys and their suits and whatnot. Uh, so I'm going to refer back to the EU uh, because before, you know, when the emperor, the emperor was thought to be uh, kind of like a xenophobe and he wouldn't he wouldn't uh, have aliens as part of his entourage or anything like that. They changed that in the prequels with uh, with Masamada. Right. So he has this. So they kind of change it and they changed that that narrative as well with uh, with with Thrawn a little bit. But it I that was kind of like the thing was like. This alien had made his way so far up in the imperial, you know, ranks. He had this white suit on. It was just they—they they really like defined him back in the day as a as a as a very you know important character. And I love that it did carry on to rebels. So that's yeah, great great points there. Uh, go ahead, Jake. Oh, I'm sorry, Casey. Casey. Thrawn's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Next um, up. <laughs> yeah, <I agree>. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> I, you know, I am familiar with Old Thrawn and New Thrawn. Um, I've read, I haven't read all of this new trilogy, but the old one and then most of this one. Uh, and then, of course, Rebels. I think that as far as just plain, uh, intellect and um thorn in their sides probably the best villain uh, tarkin's great 
honestly. He actually really, really is. And reading that book is is a great book as well. Um, I think it's the only James Lucino book that we've gotten in new canon, I want to say. And James Lucino is one of the best Star Wars writers, um, aside from Thrawn, and now aside from, uh, what's her name, um, is it Christy Golden, who did Lost Stars and, and the Leia books and stuff. So uh, as far as if you're reading the books, uh, there are some just fantastic writers out there. But um, Thrawn, I remember when he was getting introduced, because Rebel started out a little childish, during that first season and I get it. I, so does, so does clone wars in some ways, you know, I get where you're trying to really appeal to kids. And Lucas has always said, these are kids movies. Um, but when Thrawn came in, it's a game changer. Honestly, it was like, this is now, this is, (laughs) this is above kids. Like this dude and his tactical plans and let me look at their artwork and their their music and but like no kids get to get that and really understand what he's doing to these people, like literally taking their entire uh, civilization and breaking them down that way. My only problem with how things went in Rebels is that he didn't win enough because they somehow escaped his his clutches and it was very 80s and very Skeletor and, and Megatron and ah ha ha you've escaped me again rebels I was really like this guy would destroy you because you guys are not even a fully developed team half the time most of you guys are just doing your own bullshit and not focusing on things together Oh, you've got a dark saber? Well, you go do that. Oh, you've got a lightsaber that shoots a gun? Well, me and Kanan will do that. Oh, Hera, you're just support at this time with Chopper? Well, you go ahead and do that. Like, Thrawn would destroy you, straight up. <laughs> Moses? So, to that Hera point, I, actually, I never felt that, you know, whatever they were doing, they always, it always felt like it fit the story that they were escaping his clutches. But that, that Hera point... There was a scene where she's flying. He doesn't know it's her, but he knows, like, he's like, oh, my God, who is this flyer? This isn't just an ordinary rebel. And that, I know we were talking about it a few days ago on how, like, I, you know, some of the best pilots. And it was that scene where I was like, you know what? I think Hera's pretty much the best pilot in the Star Wars universe. Because Thrawn pointed it out. Because he's the one who noticed it. And I was like, if he says that, she's badass. But, you know... I, I a little disagree with you on those. I feel like this, the way the rebels did we win him and stuff, it was well told, and they had their you know strengths to kind of get away from him. But it is Star Wars. I mean, the good guys do have to win. Yes, they do. Uh, absolutely, and I, and I agree with it. Um, I just think that Kanan died, and it was a very worthy Viking death. In a realistic setting, when you read all the other stuff about how Thrawn is Thrawn, without going up against straight-up legendary characters, Solo, Luke, Leia, you would think that Thrawn would take these rebels and just grind them into dust. Maybe not Kanan. Maybe not Ezra. (laughs) You know what I mean? And maybe not Hera. But there was many times where I was like, well... Zeb's done. All right. <laughs> they got him. 
Hey, can you stop your here. hating on Zeb, bro? Come on. <laughs> you just riding Zeb tonight. Anyway, um, <laughs> Filoni obviously did his research and did a very good job. And if you got Zahn and come in writing episodes, which I did not know, um, then that's fantastic. So they did a good job with them. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, friendly reminder, James Lucino also wrote another favorite of ours called Catalyst. The prequel oh, to Rogue geez. One. So effing good. So you want good. to talk about a book that makes a character great, like we were talking about Imperial guys like Krennic. Krennic yeah. ends up kind of like a crappy character in Rogue One, honestly. But if you read Catalyst before you watch Rogue One, you're like, yeah, Krennic's a badass. Uh, so I uh, go ahead, Jake. Thrawn. Thrawn. All right. <laughs> um, I could probably do a whole episode on Thrawn. I wasn't introduced to him until the new stuff and actually it wasn't rebels it was that uh star wars galaxy of heroes game that introduced me to thrawn i started the books before i started rebels so i've done a deep dive into thrawn and i think he's an amazing character he might be my favorite star wars villain he may be higher than vader maybe um i think what makes him great and he, he's kind of not great in Rebels at times, but what makes him great in the canon expanded universe, the trilogy and Ascendancy comes out later this year, I can't wait for it, is his motivations aren't clear. He's teamed with the Emperor and the Empire, but he doesn't fully support them. He's got his own Chiss motivations, which we still to this day don't fully know. And when it becomes when it comes to being a military tactician, he's the best in the empire. He's smarter than the emperor. While Krennic's, you know, blasting project stardust. This is going to be the future project stardust, AKA the death star. He's like these new tie fighters. And I'm sorry if the emperor backed the new tie fighters over the death star, which had a fatal design flaw. And there was one of compared to a fleet of tie fighters the rebels would have lost the empire would still exist today thrawn was a great character awesome Claps. i Claps. you know Claps. that's Claps. yeah exactly i um that's really awesome to start reading the books before uh rebels i think that's uh that's that's a really good way to do it because you know i just I also recommend that you go back to the EU and read that trilogy, honestly. I know it's Legends, but that Zahn trilogy was the first book in, you know, first books in the, the whole EU, period. Uh, it was the first thing we got outside of Dark Empire, you know, besides the movies. So it's, it is, it's solid. And then there's also a book called Outbound Flight, uh, which takes place during the prequels. And it involves Thrawn as well, a younger Thrawn. So just some, just some uh, reading recommendations from the EU. Uh, but that, yeah, absolutely, Jake. I agree with you. Uh, and Rocco. Yeah. So um, with Thrawn, I hmm, you ever know when you like read a book when you're a lot younger and you don't retain a lot of it being an adult. And there's probably many reasons and many damages done to my brain in between the time I actually read those books and now. Um, but I definitely know knew who Thrawn was before you know rebels from the eu from the the timothy zahn books the the, what was the continuation of star wars at that point 
before Disney came in. Um, I just didn't have an in-depth knowledge. I knew he was blue, and I knew that he was very, um, not really evil. I mean, the man is a brutal tactician with the empathy of Hannibal Lecter. Like, he, I mean, I, I think that's the best way to describe the guy. Um, he is, the thing that scared me the most about him, because he's scared, like, I was afraid of him. I'm a grown man watching a cartoon, afraid of what I see on the screen, not because of what I'm visualizing with my eyes, but what I'm thinking. So he has so much respect for his enemies that he is not only wiping many of them off the face of the galaxy, but he is keeping various portions of their artwork. Like when he he had Sabine's artwork up. Like, that's some stalker-level shit right there. Like, this dude is for real. You know, and you could tell, and, and to Jake, to your point, you never really knew what it... I didn't get this vibe that he gave a shit about the Empire or even bought into any of it. I think this was a means to an end to stoke his own ego, intelligence, and tactical reasoning he literally saw the empire as a vessel for him to show off. And boy, did he in a brutal fashion. And again, uh, you know, Casey, to your point, I think that is definitely when the show went from like a kid's show to wow. Okay. Um, but again, I mean, I, I love the character. I love what rebels did with him. Um, I wish I remembered more of, of the books I read when I was a young person to give a better comparison. I just don't have one. Um, but yeah, Thrawn was amazing in Rebels. I, I don't know what else to say. I, I mean, the dude was a, a brutal tactician, again, with the empathy of Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> That's a really well said, too, like how he com you compared him. It's like, you know, the, the greatest pilot is going to look for an another pilot who's supposed to be great. So he can be like, I'm better. The greatest boxer will look for I want to be the best boxer. And he's just looking for that opponent. And in this case, he's joined the Empire so he can take out those rebels because those are – there's like, all right, well, you're going to be the best of these – these are the people I'm going to you know, go against. That's – I like how you put that. It's, it does make him even scarier. He's just like at the top and he's getting to choose who he wants to go against just because you know, he, he wants to show his power. Um, and speaking and of yeah, rights too, uh, Galaxy's Edge had uh, – Hera's family thing. I almost picked it up. I will next time. But it was a, it was a good story plot right there, too. Yeah, no, yeah. I love those books, too, man. <laughs> the, the, the Heir to the Empire books. Um, you know, I remember reading those and thinking, like, I wish we could see this, like, play out. I wish we could see it live action. Um, because truly, like, that would have been the, 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 the 7, 8, and 9 um, that would have really, you know, I think put the cap on, you know, the, the Luke and everybody's story, uh, would have put the feather in the cap for that. Um, but yeah, if you haven't read them, Jake and, and, and Rocco, you need to go back and, and, and read them again. And so wait, those, those, the original Thrones were like what happens after I did not know that. Yeah. Ever? This is like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Heir to the empire goes like, right. What is it? Like a few years. It's like a handful of years, maybe like five years yep. after return of the yeah. Jedi. It's the yeah. direct and, uh, sequel to Return right, of the Jedi. So you can text me what those books are. I'm going to catch those 
as well. Dark yeah, Dark Empire sure. Dark Empire happens before it. Yeah. Uh, that's directly after Return of the Jedi, and then this picks up like Proven said a couple of years later. So yeah, recommended reading to anybody that has not read those books, and we should probably all read them again. Um, but at this point, uh, let's break for a commercial, and we'll be right back. From the far reaches of the galaxy to an internet location near you, we're Don'tForgetAtowl.com, your daily source for geeky pop culture news, reviews, interviews, and so much more. So as you're hitchhiking your way through the universe, don't forget to travel safe, and don't forget a towel. DFAT Comics is the publishing branch of Don'tForgetAtowl.com the only place to travel geekly. Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. DFAT Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with DFAT Comics. All right, we're back from those commercials, and we're talking about Star Wars Rebels. So we're going to get into favorite episodes or arcs. And uh, I want to I want to just dive into it. Let me know why it's your favorite, uh, and more. So let's uh, let's start at the top again with Ruben. Well, we're just gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and break down every all 75 episodes and uh, give an extensive deep dive on why each of these uh, episodes are so important. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I have a few though, as as you can imagine. I do love this show. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Spark of the Rebellion, uh, you know, the first two episodes, um, that to me, like I said, it was just the immediate hook. I was a fan right from the beginning. Um, you know, the music, the, the Ralph McQuarrie backdrops, the, uh, the characters. I know not everybody's a huge fan of the animation, but I, I don't really mind it. You know, um, I'm not like, I'm not a huge stickler for like, it just has to be really bad for me not to like it. You know what I'm saying? And, and uh, like, I go back on Disney plus and watch like the first couple of episodes of the Simpsons. And I'm just like, like you watch this and you complain about rebels animation, like no way. Um, so, so to me, like that was, you know, uh, the spark to rebellion. Um, uh, I talked about it earlier in the, in the cast, uh, the path of the Jedi. That was, that was one of my favorite, favorite episodes, um, you know, for numerous reasons. Um, but, but mostly because we got to hear Yoda's voice, um, and how he was Yoda, you know, like when, when Kanan was like, oh yeah, I'm, 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 I'm his master. And he's like, oh, master, are you now? You know, like, you're so sure of it. Like, you know, and he, and, and Kanan <clears throat> being Kanan uh, immediately turns around. He's like, nah, not really. You know, <laughs> um, I'm not too sure of it. Uh, but both of them came out of that temple, um, you know, uh, together, uh, grown, uh, in, in many ways. Um, the thing that makes me, uh, that, that made me kind of almost realize, uh, the, uh, like you guys talk about the oppression or like the stakes, uh, that were so high during this time was the siege of Lothal, uh, one and two as well. Those two episodes were, were brilliant. Uh, you get a lot of good Vader stuff there. Tarkin comes in and, uh, and, you know, immediately, you know, Callus is like, Oh, we're going to get another inquisitor. And, He's uh Tarkin tells him, no, uh, you know, the emperor, found, uh, you know, is, is sending us a new solution. And we hear Vader's breathing for the first time. Um, 
the episode, the last, the lost commanders, uh, where we get Rex and, and the clones back, uh, and they use Zeb as bait. <laughs> like that's, it was just so, so well done. And it was, it was star Wars and it was clone wars. All at the, it was rebels and clone wars all at the same time in that, in that episode, I feel like, cause it was just, it was a little bit of serious, but it also had like, uh, like Casey likes to say the puffer pig shit where it's just like, they were like fishing for this big worm out in the middle of the desert. And it was, you know, it was just silly. Um, and then seasons, all of season three and four. I mean, I can't pick an episode from those two seasons because those two seasons were just flawless television and flawless storytelling. Um, and <clears throat> yes, there were a couple of filler episodes uh, in both in both of those seasons. Uh, but but they were just amazing. Um, seeing the culmination of of Maul and and uh, and Kenobi, uh, that to me, it just like I, I think about that scene and that pull away shot where you see Kenobi take a stance and Maul take a stance, and you're thinking it's gonna be this big epic animated, you know, saber fight, and Kenobi just takes that one you know shinobi you know like samurai cut and it's just it just it's over uh kurosawa for sure seven samurai for sure like it's just it's just all of those vibes and it's just that one moment and it's over and then to transition that to him holding him and him you know i can't recall his last words right now but it was just you know like just Ma accepting his fate and realizing that, you know, it was over at that moment and, and Kenobi showing that empathy and being like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm almost, he's almost letting go of an old friend, you know, like a part of, a part of his life. So to me, like those episodes are, are like those things stick out in my mind more than anything. Um, I'm sure you're going to talk about it. So I don't want to go into length, but that, that final Kanan episode was, you know, it makes me tear up even thinking about it now. Um, him looking back and he, him using the force, holding back the fire and using the force to get back his sight for one last look at Hera and the team. And that to me, it just, again, is just everything that Star Wars is, is, is hope. It breathes hope into, into the hopeless. Well, since you recapped the entire show, we're going to move on to the next question. No, I'm just seriously. That's that was actually a really good, concise breakdown of the entire show. So I I commend you a lot. Uh, Rocco, you want to say something? No, I just, uh, Ruben, when you said uh, Maul's last words, he asked Obi-Wan, is he the chosen one? (laughs) And, And to me, that was just awesome like mm-hmm. you know, i'm gonna to the movie it connects the prequels to this to the to the to the originals because you know maul at that point just wants the empire down dead yes it just yes. it's like yep that's the kid yeah. right there luke <laughs> yeah yeah now that you said it it brings you know it brings triggers that memory yes and and to me again adding to that is just like the fact that he just wants to the emperor to lose and again we those notes are being hit in different places in star Wars. Like, you know, when general Hux tells him, I don't care if the rebels win, I just need Kylo Ren to lose, you know, callous coming over, you know, it shows the breaks and the, 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 you know, just the plain arrogance of the emperor who thinks he's got it all under his thumb. 
when he really doesn't. So it's 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 pretty dope how he creates almost his own enemies. Awesome. Go ahead, Moses. Uh, at least he wasn't as whiny as Huck, though. So. That was just too quick. Anyway, whatever. That's a different story. Um, yeah, like Rebels, to me, there's it's hard to pick an arc. Um, it's more scenes. It's scenes, again, that Kurosawa type. I mean, you see all these great lightsaber battles, but to me, that's... It, they, they they match these beautiful compositions with with the story, like just them standing still, unmoving, and it's just one quick move, you know, one two. Um, but as far as moments and arcs, uh, you know, just a couple. One, I want to give it to Zeb's story. I forget what the episode's called, but um, here, let me look up the one thing I wanted to see. Is it's one of Kevin Kinner's greatest songs, Journey into a Star Cluster, when we're done with this, Google it. It's the end of the episode where he saves his race. And it's all that he's going into the Star Cluster and he has the staff. And the music is hands down one of the best Star Wars classical compositions I have ever heard. But that scene to me is more important because I know I've mentioned like behind Star Wars to me, it's always about the Force. And so the Jedi and Sith seem to have a more importance to Star Wars story. But Star Wars has always been good to, like, give sto- give importance to even, you know, Han Solo is so important. Yeah, he's not a Jedi, but he's so important to how things unfolded. And I love that episode because it gave Zeb, you know, I'm sure Casey hates that episode, <laughs> but it gave Zeb that importance. <laughs> I know, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But it gave Zeb his own importance. You know what I mean? You know, Sabine had the whole Mandalorian story to her. Hera is this greatest pilot leading the rebellion, pretty much. And it gave importance to Zeb at that point. Like, he he was the chosen one of his own race. And it's so much bigger than just Jedi versus Sith. There's there's all these races, and each each story has their own chosen one. And so, to me, that episode represented how open Star Wars can be. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the mall and, and Obi-Wan was awesome. Um, one of my, my second favorite arc was Ahsoka with Vader because obviously, and especially because of Clone Wars, but to see them, um, to see them like re-meet right there and, you know, I forget her exact words, but like, I failed you. Be- I, you know, I left you before. I won't let you again, uh, leave you again. Ugh, like that just. It hits you in the feels, man. And like that scene, because that you have Maul there, you have the Inquisitors. I mean, any scene with the Inquisitor was great, with the Inquisitors was great. But that, you know, that's where we all started thinking about Ezra too, because he opens up the freaking Sith holocron. Um, so that arc was amazing. But in the end, the final arc was starting from from Kanan, you know, Kanan's sacrifice. Because even if Ezra is your favorite character, his last arc, everything that happened with the world between worlds, it starts with Kanan's sacrifice. Like that, that affected him in such a way. So from from Kanan's sacrifice, you know, everything is just building up so perfectly. Thrawn, the other Tie Fighters, you know, the the versus, you know, who's going to get the budget? They're they're trying to capture them. The world between worlds, the Emperor showing up, trying to convince Ezra. Like that whole arc was just. To me, like that was Filoni at his best. He he built everything, not just in Rebels. Like this was building. I mean, even the gods of Mortis were on that design. He's building things from Clone Wars at that point. And yeah, 
I mean, we just need movies like that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that last arc was definitely my favorite. Awesome. Yeah, that was, you know, that's what, like Jake said about world building. And so that's, that's what we wanted to see since the beginning of, you know, this new canon and just these links and, and just tying things together. Uh, so, and I'm glad you brought up Zeb. Thank you. Zeb does need some respect. So thank you, Moses. That's Love a great, Zeb. a great arc. Regardless of what Casey says, it's all right. Um, Casey, you're up. You love those episodes, <laughs> right? Those are your favorites. Anything that involves puffer pigs or uh, hyperspace whales, I'm going to be all about. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> you know, um, you guys have hit it. Definitely Ruben hit on all of them. But yeah, Obi-Wan and Maul resolution uh, that fight. He I remember watching the uh, breakdown of it or the making of it of it in in Filoni explained how he literally used the same move like Maul's been fighting the same way the entire time. So he used that move that he he did on Qui-Gon that killed him where Obi-Wan was like, oh, I see exactly what you're doing because you've already done it. And I've been waiting for this fight for the last whatever it is at that point, you know, 40 years. So I know this move inwards and out. And that's why it only takes three seconds for him to strike him down because he's been waiting for that fight the entire time. (laughs) If it ever was going to happen again, he would never lose again and uh, let his master die again. So um, when I watched it the first time, definitely I was like, oh, that was not what I expected. And then when I saw the breakdown from Filoni and literally you see like the Phantom Menace shots transposed onto these shots and Rebels and I go, oh shit. Okay, this dude knows Star Wars (laughs) and this guy is on a way deeper level than I'm ever thinking about. Um, So it's beautiful. And um, But that is... Actually, the Phantom Menace has almost zero to do with Rebels, if you really think about it. Like, that whole situation with Maul getting to Obi-Wan has been built up since the Phantom Menace. Didn't have anything to do with the Rebels. It was really cool. It was amazing to see. But I don't think about it necessarily as a Rebels moment. If I if I moan pure Rebels moment, um, it is the use of the world between worlds. And I know we're going to talk about the world between worlds. Uh, because it's good and bad. And I, I, you know, when we go on my next go around, I'll explain why, but, um, seeing, uh, Ezra take Ahsoka out of that scene with Vader and, uh, and Ahsoka. And again, that's not a rebels moment. That is a clone wars moment that got transferred into rebels. (laughs) So Favorite Rebels moment, Kanan deflecting fire and, and seeing. There you go. I, yeah, the mall thing is great. Uh, I, I do love the fact that Filoni was able to use this as, as a way to close out some character stories, um, expand on others and whatnot. I mean, you got the fact that he brought Darth Maul back in the, in the Clone Wars was like, all right, well, great. But then all of a sudden it turns into this amazing storyline. And, you know, Darth Maul 
who gets that Boba Fett treatment in the Phantom Menace, you know, a little bit better, but um, especially since Duel of Fates is awesome. But um, the fact that Maul becomes such a presence in Clone Wars and then they do that, that close out is I, I love that, too. And I'm, I'm glad that's amongst your favorites. Um, go ahead, Jake. Favorite scene. Ahsoka figuring out who Darth Vader is. That is my favorite scene in the entire series. Uh, and Darth Vader figuring out Ahsoka still alive. Best. Yeah. Um, favorite arc is either the Sith Temple, and that's because we get to see Ezra and Maul's apprenticeship, the Vader-Ahsoka battle, and the absolute power of the ancient Sith with what happened at that temple. Or the Bendu arc. Or... Uh, is that what it's called, Bendu? Duh, that... Yeah, that was it. We should have all yeah. said that. Because, yeah. first of all, him training Kanan. Then second of all, it made me realize the whole battle between the light and the dark side of the force that we think exists is absolutely nothing. Because the true power of the force, I, I, the Emperor would be mystified by what happened on that planet with uh, that creature. So, that probably is my favorite arc yeah when uh when they're flying towards that ship and and ezra says do you feel that i feel cold and then ahsoka reaches out and like vader connects with her and she and he's like the apprentice lives and she like faints like that was one of the like that was gold right there that was gold storytelling and it was beautiful how like you know like how they both kind of collided right and then immediately vader turns to the emperor and goes and says oh i think i think that you know skywalker's uh <laughs> i think skywalker's apprentice lived you know and and how the emperor immediately picks up and is like oh that's a problem you know uh that was dope i love that yeah good stuff awesome go ahead uh yeah I uh, I always thought the the it's not my favorite one, but just uh, going to what Jake was talking about with the Bendu. Um, if I'm correct, that is a term that was scrapped originally for Star Wars, for the original um, Star Wars, and I I really like that Filoni like brings those kind of things back in. You know, I always I always find that kind of stuff neat. Um, but for me, um, you know, I talked about this earlier. I'm a huge Clone Wars fan, so Twilight of the Apprentice would be my favorite storyline because it. I think that that truly ends Clone Wars. Like we, yeah, we had that awesome last season. It was amazing. I loved every freaking minute of it. Um, however, that end with her fighting Vader was the probably one of the first times. No, it was the first time I cried watching Rebels because. You know, as I said before, Ahsoka is the epitome of all that was good about Anakin, all that was good about Vader. Everything good about Anakin, Ahsoka carried. And that's why it's, to me, it even adds to the tragedy of Darth Vader, because it is. That's what Darth Vader is, is, is a tragedy. And Ahsoka's existence just added to that tragedy. So at the end that, that final fight and what's crazy is, and correct me if I'm wrong, 
isn't Ahsoka's one of the few people before Luke Skywalker to even get the hit on Vader. And yeah. like he trained her. So how apropos is it that she was able to fucking get a hit and and cut half his mask off and then for a moment Anakin seeps through and calls out to her and it almost calls out to her uh, the same way when she left the Jedi order. And when she said those words, I won't leave you again. And then when she ignites the two lightsabers and pulls them to the side, like, uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm getting emotional now too. <laughs> really great clone Wars scenes that just happen to be in a different show. Yeah. I mean, well, that's I'm, what I was saying before. Like, yes, one of the importance of rebels is if you've seen clone wars. Yes, you have to. You have to have seen Clone Wars to uh, really, really, really. I mean, you could still yeah. appreciate Rebels without Clone not Wars, same, but though. but it's definitely not the same. And um, yeah, as for story arc, that would be absolutely my favorite, hands down. Um, and of course, you know, obviously the Maul storyline, just that tie-in with the prequels, um, you know, and the way I think the rage that was in Maul. And he died peacefully. And I think that there's there's just something there that is just is awesome because that rage knew no bounds in Clone Wars. And, uh, you know, especially when he went on that killing spree with his brother um, who had the very, you know, well thought out name of Savage. Um, (laughs) um, You know, he goes on this killing spree like a crazy person. And then in Rebels, I mean, he kidnaps the crew. I mean, his again, that rage to die very quietly and peacefully in Obi-Wan's arms, just asking if he's there to protect the chosen one, if that's what why he's there. Um, I would say those are the top two story arcs. Go ahead, Jake. Really quick, uh, I forgot to mention this, and Rocco, you you're reminded me. My headcanon that developed out of Rebels is Yoda has been trying to turn Vader for a while now. And he's actually been throwing memories to Vader. I think he was trying to turn Vader with Kanan and Ezra when he talked to them in the temple. He was trying to turn Vader with Ahsoka. Then in The New Hope, Obi-Wan went there trying to bring Anakin back. And Luke and Leia were literally the last hope to turn Vader. And they knew they couldn't beat the Emperor. Um, Only Vader could. So... Yeah, that's a that's a really strong point there, Jake. Um, because if you think about it, and what Lucas was trying to do with the prequels as well was to make, you know, it was it was about Anakin, and it, and it ends with Anakin being re- redeemed. So, yeah, I I I I remember thinking that when I watched Rebels as well. For some reason, um, I got to rewatch it again just for that point. Um, I really, you know, I really like the point about us. You know, Ahsoka's a huge thing here too because. Who would have thought that that they were going to bring her back in, right? Um, I mean, we could have guessed, sure, but this the whole the whole like mysteriousness of Fulcrum and all that stuff leading up to it, and then she's there. What a great launching point for you know, like I said before, Rebels is a great launching point for Disney to begin with. But again, putting a, such a strong character that has ties to the the you know the Lucas days, but now 
a, a character who can carry her own in the you know and really be like inspiring to to fans you know across the board so absolutely absolutely yeah go ahead Moses. a couple of things and uh one of the scenes was just when ahsoka meets rex mm-hmm. like that's another one that got to me and again clone wars related but when they meet again it's just it's powerful but to that scene between Maul and Obi-Wan, um, it actually, it's pretty cool because it, within that simplicity and how short that is as far as Obi-Wan's presence in it, it, it creates a, a closure to his character because Qui-Gon was an awesome Jedi. We got so little of him, but he, you know, there, there's all these stories about, he, you know, the council never approved of him. And even for the little that we saw of him, he was very with like in tune with the force. He's just like, he's going with the force, you know, he's just doing his things and letting the force kind of do its thing. I mean, was supposedly Qui-Gon's like the first one who was able to connect and, you know, turn into a force ghost. Right. Supposedly. So, oh, you see, you see that training into Obi-Wan a little, but no matter how much it is, Obi-Wan's still a little like caught up in the moment. And it wasn't until that scene with Darth Maul where he's just so at peace, even himself. Like, he just gets up, he tells Ezra, you know, you're not supposed to be here. He sits there, he's ready to face Maul. And and it's such a beautiful moment when, like, he defeats him. And, and yeah, he grabs him. And it's just like, at that point, even Obi-Wan is just, like, waiting for what's supposed to happen next. He's not... He's not in any turmoil with what just happened. You know, he just saw the guy he, you know, that killed his master and that was around years ago. And you would think he would be more emotional. But I love that at that point, he's reached that place where Qui-Gon was. And it, to me, like, it, it made me think of Qui-Gon and it kind of closed that circle where he finally, you know, was one with the force and just let things play out. And it, it, it's so well told, like, Filoni's able to tell so much with just this moment and how he acts, you know, with his mortal quote unquote enemy. What a, yeah, what a great scene. Um, and, you know, that I, I love that, like you said, the peacefulness of it and also just that samurai influence has been across Star Wars since, since the beginning, you know, so you, you bring up seven samurai. I watched it again the other night and it's just like you see where these influences for Star Wars came from. And it's 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 great. Uh, so let's let's talk about something a little more abstract. Uh, something that you know, Star Wars never really got into like super abstractness outside of the Force. Um, all of a sudden, in the Clone Wars, we're introduced to the Mortis gods, and that introduced like a, a whole new level of 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 not only just fantasy to the series, but the fact that there are like maybe gods uh who exist within this in the in, within these realms and then in rebels we get the world between worlds which is just very very uh, like i said it's a very abstract idea um with time travel and and the force and whatnot so i want to just talk about it a little bit with everybody and just see how you feel about it and um we saw kind of what was the end of it, but in Rebels. But do you think we'll it will ever play a role again? Um, so uh, go ahead, Ruben. Um, for me, I mean, I I love all the timey wimey stuff. Like I I I loved, you know, I love that about Avengers Endgame, Back to the Future, you know, Bill and Ted, like all the all the you know anything that has to do with uh, time travel to me is you know 
awesome. Um, I love Project Almanac. That that's like one of my favorite time travel movies. Um, but with World Between Worlds, like it introduced this mechanism that to me, and 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 I'm I'm not gonna go too deep into it because I think Casey's gonna touch on the same point. Is that it can get muddied up because it's time, right? And when you pull Ahsoka out of one place, where is Ahsoka in that other? You know, where is Ahsoka supposed to be? And, you know, is she now pulled from that timeline? And it's kind of weird, you know? So, but I thought it was really, it was a good, you know, use of it for the Rebel storyline. Um, I don't see, I don't see them using it again, I don't think, unless it's, for, for, unless it's something Filoni related, because he's the one that brought, you know, brought it in and he's going to be the one that kind of, is probably the best person to use it if they, if it's going to be used again. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, time travel stuff is cool. Um, I love the fact that uh, in that in those moments we 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 heard all these different points in time in Star Wars, you know, and Ezra can hear those things happening, and um, you know, the Emperor's cackle in there, like all of that. Just it 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 all just you know again screams Star Wars. Uh, so it fit for me, you know, uh, but I, I don't I don't think they'll use it again. I, I don't think so. All right. What do you think, Moses? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I loved it, um, but it, it just it does open a can of worms. Um, I mean, we all know or at least some of us have read of how, especially with the, the kind of hateful fandom of like, oh, they're going to use that to kind of wipe out this recent sequel trilogy or whatever. And, I, you know, I really hope they don't do anything. I doubt they will do anything like that. But, yeah, having a time travel thing does open up a can of worms kind of thing. But I did love its usage. Um, and obviously that gate was destroyed, so it did have its own closure and they can leave it like that. And I think Filoni may be able to use it to his advantage. But it, I really appreciated this aspect that it gives because, like, you know, the force is there. It's between everything. It's, it's, it is everything. And there's a lot of theories, you know, about metaphysics and, and time and, you know, multiple dimensions and how everything is happening at the same time. You know, we see time linear, but there's multiple, like, serious theories of, like, how time could, can't be linear and, and other stuff. And I love, you know, just including that kind of opens up that door where just, like, if there's no linearity to time, it would be through something force-related, you know? Um, and the Mortis gods are connected to that because they were, like, drawn on that gate. And it almost, you know, when I saw that, it made me think, like, when, o you know, when Obi-Wan and, and Anakin and Ahsoka went to the Mortis gods, sure, they traveled there, but wasn't it like they're a glitch to the to the light speed thing and they just appeared there? Like, were they really there in this time? Were they? Like, we don't know what time the Mortis gods even exist in, you know? So it, it kind of, like, made me think of that and it kind of opened it up. And, yeah, again, I'm glad that, you know, the gate got closed and that can of worms, per se, is, is closed. But I thought it was a very interesting aspect of the force in star wars to be inserted into you know the story yeah <laughs> that's 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 a funny um it's a funny way to look at it too it's just like uh, i remember watching the clone wars and when the mortis god episodes popped up i was watching with my wife and she's like 
these these episodes, you know, Star Wars fans, forgive me, uh, are very much like more like a Star Trek idea here. And it was like, and I thought about it, and I thought about it even more because I was like, all right, but when it comes down to it, it was just such, like I said before, it's a very abstract idea. Um, and and I love that he went even farther with the world between worlds. But there is a there is a line where you have to draw that so it doesn't get, as we say, muddied. So, all right, Casey. You know, um, it's almost like one of those things when they can't explain something and then all of a sudden they're like, it was aliens. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, sure, that's fine. You know what I mean? Like Ahsoka is alive and we don't know why and you think that she died in, in, in this area. But you know what? Time travel happened and she actually didn't die. Moses? Well, I didn't think she had died there. I honestly didn't. Like, oh, I realized everything fell, but if Vader survived, clearly, like, why couldn't she have survived? Off-screen death. I like that they added it there, but I never really thought she had died there. Of course. Be- be- before the finale, before you got to the world between worlds, did you think Ahso- Ahsoka was dead there? No. See, I don't think any of us here thought that. So but- you can't really say that they use that to save Ahsoka. We never, you know, that was just an add-on. That was maybe like giving you a interesting spin on what might've happened at the moment, but none of us thought she was dead. You know, we didn't really need that to explain it. We I mean, may she not was have. trapped. She was Go trapped on. in a, in a temple with, uh, with Vader. I mean, there was, there was not a, there was not a way out for her there. Um, I mean, and I think in that episode, they show her walking down, like a corridor uh with her lightsabers ignited i think that's how like one you know one of the last final scenes that we see in her in that episode you know in that season before we we go into the world between worlds season um but yeah i mean it was it was a way to get snips back without having to risk risk anything uh that's going to be you know considered you know retconning or anything like that he was able to you know reach into a hole and bring her back out you know it's kind of I, like Game of Thrones uh, at some point. You're like, unless you actually see the character die on screen and <laughs> literally stop breathing, he's not dead. <laughs> exactly. That was my thought exactly with Ahsoka. And that's, if you don't see it, they got plans later. That's that's the classic MO for that. <laughs> for almost any of it, right? Yeah. Like any sort of thing. Um, any story, any, yeah. Yeah. I, I like Actually, I love World Between Worlds, but I love it for the Emperor implications um, as I was, you know, I, what he could do and what that means to the Star Wars universe means more to me than him pulling out Ahsoka just because Dave Filoni doesn't want her dead and she'll show up later in, in Mandalorian. But like what this guy could have done and, and maybe he did, <laughs> we don't know how long he you know what i mean like kind of but i i don't know i guess for me i feel like it they'll probably never show it again because of the fact that star wars fans are dick bags right now and unless it's in a comic book or a book um we will never see it cinematically and i don't even know if we'll see it on tv um, because of the idea being so weird and so easily manipulated to say that, oh, nope, 
now uh, John Baiga is the star of <laughs> seven, eight, nine. You know what I mean? Because someone wants it to happen. So I, I don't think we'll see it again, but it was cool at the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I there's so many things like, oh, they should have used it in episode nine. They should have used the mortis dagger, blah, blah, blah. You know, so it's like I always find it funny the amount of star wars fans quote unquote that haven't even watched anything outside the movies including the shows which i feel like are such a should be a part of what you're watching if you don't want to read the books you don't want to read the comics that's fine but the shows are like the shows are solid so and they have they they i don't know it just it just confuses me and then and then people criticize so whatever that's not what this episode's about um so go ahead jake all right uh i loved those episodes i honestly do hope that we see the world between worlds again at some point but they are very careful in how they use it um i will say maybe we didn't see ahsoka's death because feloni unlike with the new trilogy was smart enough to map things out in advance and he already knew this was going to happen and that Nothing can be changed in the world between worlds. The force willed it. So Ahsoka was never going to die anyways. Cause Ezra was always going to reach that point and pull her out. So they didn't show us her death because it wasn't permanent. And if they take that point to it, this stupid toxic fandom, they'll use the world to between worlds to erase seven, eight and nine can't happen because seven eight and nine happened the world between worlds can only be used if it's meant to already have happened in the will of the force crazy time travel because of something that happened in there exactly i yeah that's it's it's really it's really kind of just like i said it's so abstract and I, I wish that, you know, I wish that everybody could see it because this is where the storytelling is happening, you know, and and like I said before. So um, so let's let's talk about stories that may happen. All right. So we know how Rebels ends. Um, so where and when do you think we'll see our heroes and villains again and how? Uh, what do you think the most say we say they bring back here's an example Ezra and Thrawn, Thrawn how would that be best told in your opinion um and we did uh just we did lose Rocco uh his son's not feeling so well tonight so we hope the best for him but that's why he's uh missing from the rest of the show so uh back to the top uh go ahead Ruben yeah that's you know to your point about you know Ezra and Thrawn coming back um it, it's a tough call because again um I don't want them to be shoehorned in somewhere for fan service. You know, if, if we're going to bring Hera back, if we're going to bring Zeb out, if we're going to bring uh, Ezra and Thrawn back, um, it needs to, it, it can't be an arc somewhere, you know? Um, do I mind Hera popping up in the Mandalorian and, and piloting and piloting the, uh, the razor crest uh, for an adventure? No, not at all. You know, like, I think that that would be cool. Um, you know, uh, I think that they have an opportunity with the, uh, uh, Andor show, show to, uh, to with Cassian to there 
really give them some time to shine. Um, you know, uh, again, to the point that we were talking about earlier, uh, just the opportunity to have uh, K2 and Chopper uh, interact with each other and getting into some in trouble, uh, that would just be amazing. Uh, you could give me that Puffer Pig episode any day um, of just K2 and, uh, and Chopper uh, going after something. Uh, but yeah, I think, it, you know, honestly speaking, I think that in, in a perfect world, this is Filoni's trilogy, is is the movie where Ahsoka and Sabine, uh, you know, we pick up, you know, moments after, you know, Rebels, that last episode of uh, of Rebels, where they're in that, uh, you know, in that tower or whatever, and they're, and they're going off to find Ezra. Um, I think that that, to me, is the best way, you know, that, that you... You, you send these characters off. Plus, I would just love to see what Zeb would look like live action. You know, like if they if they if they don't go CGI and they do something like Chewie where it's like a suit and, you know, an, an, an adult mask or something mixed in with some CGI animation or whatever. Like, I think that that would be sick. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think for me, if we're going to bring these characters back at all, um, besides little pop ups here and there in Mandalorian and, and, and the Rogue One spinoff show. Um, yeah, give them their trilogy. Give them a trilogy and let them and let them go to war with Thrawn, uh, for real, for real. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting uh, with what we get in live action with the Mando season two and and how you brought up the Cassian show. That's the Cassian show is gonna be a real test of what they can do with the Civil War period and and like I know a lot of us, you know, we've talked about this how it's we don't want to keep telling the same stories within these time periods, but um i'm ready for a star wars spy show that's it yeah right. yeah no i agree like that's 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 a show that I'm, I'm like even more than kenobi in a lot of ways because you know even though i i, I do love obi-wan he's one of my favorite jedi and i can't wait for this show uh for his show uh cassian andor show like the a, a rebel spy show some you know give me some homeland mixed with star wars you know like i, I want to see those stakes really high and and I want to see these people, you know, making moves uh, behind the scenes. Uh, and I think, again, it's a great way to kind of service these characters who you've, you know, made iconic in a lot of ways. I mean, we're sitting here talking about them. So they deserve that. For nine episodes. So. Right. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Moses. So on the, on the Cassian spy thing, I mean, yeah, that would be so awesome to kind of see a show like that. I mean, one of my favorite like lines in, in Rogue One is near the end where he's just like, we've all done, like, it was the first one. That's why, like, Rogue One was so much darker, and sometimes it's almost not Star Wars-like. But it would be cool to have, like, a, you know, a branch, some, you know, there's Lego Star Wars for the ultra-small young kids. So why can't we have some, like, a little more mature, adult, darker Star Wars as well? You know, you can have everything. And that line where he's like, yeah, some of us has done things that we can't excuse. Like, we need this to work. That When he says that, I'm just like, geez, like, damn. So, yeah, a show like that would be good. And uh, nice touch on Zeb, too. I love that in the video game Fallen Order, Cal's master is a Lasat. I love that they, they, you know, they were able to bring that race back in there. It's a cool race. Love that. Um, but as far as future, I don't think we're going to see Hera. I mean, we saw, we heard her name and um, saw um, Chopper kind of rolling around. So we know she was there. 
And Rebels ends with that skip forward that's past return, everything ended, right? So we know she's there to the end. And that's where we find, you know, that's where we kind of learn about Jason, which, by the way, you know, Jason Sindula, like he, you know, Filoni straight up said he did that in honor of the non-canon children that, you know, uh, that, that Luke was supposed to have. So while I don't think we'll see Hera, like we have enough information that she was part of the war. I don't remember. I know her ship, people saw the ghost in Rogue One. Did anybody find it in the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker? It Only is. in stills. Still. So it, yeah. she's still around. So I think she's a bit, I mean, it'd be cool to see her again. But I think she's just kind of like this awesome pilot that's part of it. And we might see her stories elsewhere through the squadron games that are coming out. I don't know if obviously we're going to see her um, directly. I wouldn't, I think it would be awesome to see Jason, to see a future of, of Jason and their kid and how like he interacts. Because, you know, at this point, again, yeah, we've told the story around this era so much. We have a, a, a window between this and the force awakens and then obviously what happens after that but you know in in a little fantasy fandom it would be awesome to see ray training jason and stuff like that um but straight up if i remember correctly the last thing of rebels is literally this is not the last of ahsoka and sabine right so and that is what post return which is around you know around we don't know how many years but mando is five years after that so the question is because we know that uh we know that ahsoka's uh what's her is she still still playing ahsoka rosario dawson yeah so we yeah, know that's, ahsoka's that's, in it. that's what they the say question is is her appearance there when she's searching for ezra or is it right before? So, you know, there's that question. Because if it's... I really hope that it's after, to be honest. Because Ahsoka is looking for Ezra with Sabine. And Sabine says, like, when did the Darksaber... You know, Sabine left the Darksaber to... What's her name? I apologize. I forget her name. But that was the last we know of the, the Darksaber. And now suddenly... What's his name has it? I'm blanking on all the names today. But so, like, keeping Sabine with Ahsoka, I think, really starts keeping that whole story alive. You know, with the Darksaber and the Mandalorians, which, you know, she's a Mandalorian. She was my favorite Mandalorian. I mean, I love that. And she, you know, as far as a storytelling character, she's such a good role model, too. You know, I've been showing all this stuff to my three- and five-year-old niece about Star Wars. And I'm showing them, like, the Rebels, like, Art of Rebels. And... They're asking me, who's that? And, oh, look, that armor is like Boba Fett, you know? And I'm like, I'm so proud of you. You recognize the connection. But then she's like, why is it so colorful? And I get to be like, oh, Sabine was awesome. She's like this female character that's so strong. And she has her own artistic view, you know? Um, And so I really, really, I mean, I feel like we would have heard who's playing her at this point if she was in it. But I really wish, you know, she was in Mando and, and that their story continues. But maybe Filoni said, you know what? I still have their story, whether that be a cartoon, maybe that be the cartoon trilogy that we would love to see that we mentioned before. But I don't think Ahsoka and Sabine's Ezra chasing story 
is going to be in Mando. I think Mando is just a cameo because they're both in the ass outskirts. Mando is looking to find a place for the the child, and obviously Ahsoka and uh, Sabine are outside. They're Ezra's not around anymore, so they're going to be in those outskirts too. So it's going to be a cool cameo, hopefully well written. I trust it because Filoni's involved, so I don't doubt how well written it's going to be. But I do believe, out of all the characters, Sabine and and um, Ahsoka, you know, we're going to see them. Whether that be animated, whether that be a trilogy, who knows? But there, you know, there's he clearly ended it saying there's more to that story and. Clearly, Disney is not done with Star Wars, so I don't see how we're not going to see that at some point. Yeah, that's that. That's the best point to put there because it's like the Mando is his own show. These characters do exist in the Filoni world, and you know that he's going to use the opportunity to either, like you said, it's going to be crossing paths, or it's going to be much bigger, and it's like the season finale, which leads into the next one. It's something even crazier where. Who knows? Who knows what he wants to do? So, right. But if it is just a crossover and we get that, whatever, man, I'm fine with that. I also think that the Sabine casting would be a lot less, I guess, they could cast anybody, you know, but like a Rosario Dawson casting gets, you know, those those rumors get out much faster. So well, I mean, Ahsoka is also yeah. obviously a way bigger character than Sabine. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. But I, just with the Mandalorian tie, I don't see how they would not have her in it, unless it is where they've broken off already. But five years isn't that long either. So who knows? I'm excited. We're all excited for that. So October thirtieth. It's gonna be awesome. That's it. That's it. All right, uh, Casey. Um. I think that uh, the story of all those people are, are not over, for sure. Um, definitely, I think we're going to see Hera again. And I think because it is Star Wars, um, even though it is the Mandalorian, we will see a battle. Uh, we have not seen a space battle yet, and I think it's time or coming up. You know what I mean? And, and I, maybe maybe it's not Hera Maybe it's her son or whatever, but I guess in that time period, it could be Hera. So I, I, and honestly, we don't see a lot of live action Twi'leks. So I think we're, we're due for some, for some Twi'lek action. We got that one in, in the Mandalorian episode six and it was great, but um, it would be cool to see more. As far as like Sabine and Ezra and, and Ahsoka and Thrawn, that's its own show. Like, We'll get a backdoor pilot in Mandalorian and, you know, we'll introduce those characters again in the live action form and what they're going to be like. But to me, that screams backdoor pilot. We still don't know what that one female director is working on, what her story is going to be. Uh, You know, I, I think like those characters all deserve to get more. Dave Filoni will not let Ahsoka die. And, um, after we see them in Mandalorian, and I think it will be Sabine and Ahsoka, I think we'll get some sort of continuation of that entire storyline. That's my own personal opinion on it. Um, See how it shakes out. Go ahead, Ruben. Yeah, no, I got to agree. I think think the backdoor pilot is definitely, you know, the option for them if they're going to go live action. And I think that, that them leaning towards live action, especially after Mandalorian, I, I think that 
that's how Filoni would want to do it. Um, and I think the Bad Batch cartoon is, is, is a sign of that because if not, why wouldn't you follow up that amazing last season of Clone Wars with the continuation of Rebels? You know, like, why would you go... The Bad Batch were cool, but they're, you know, it, it, it's not a story that needs to be told, I don't think. Um, although I did wonder what happened to them during and after Order 66, if they were affected or not. Uh, so it was just one of those things where it's like, they, they definitely do deserve the live-action treatment. I think also with the pandemic, so think about it this way, with everything getting pushed up, right? It's easier to get an animation out. So let's let's do the Bad Batch to still have some filler, like Mandalorian's going to be out. When that ends, what do we got? Nothing, right? Nothing. We got. We can read the High Republic, but right. we have nothing else coming out. So if they can get the Bad Batch out early next year, uh, then then that then that lull doesn't seem as bad. So I think maybe they they may may have just pushed that ahead faster than mm-hmm. than maybe they would have in the past, and maybe the reaction from the final season of Clone Wars. But I'm I'm interested in this show. But without you know, it's kind of like when I think about Star Wars Resistance. Um, and like the fact that it is Filoni's idea, but it depends on who's going to be taking care of the show as well. So that'll, that'll, uh, that'll kind of time will tell. Yeah. That. Um, before I go to Jake, uh, I did want to mention something just because these rumors, there's, there's been this rumor about a Thrawn movie and, um, things like that. So will, you know, my idea is like, would they want to do a TV show? with this whole thing to resolve it or do they do it as a movie you know and just have it um as this epic live action you know to do i you know it's 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 all up in the air and uh hopefully we we get some uh you know it was about that eventually but go ahead jake uh so for the characters we don't know where they are ezra sabine ahsoka thrawn um i i honestly don't think they can be in the galaxy. I think they're all in Chiss space, um, which is the unknown regions. Because if they're in the galaxy and they're still alive by the new trilogy and they don't respond to the events of the new trilogy, that makes them pretty horrible people uh, and characters. So I don't think they're actually in the galaxy proper. Um, But on that note, I... I also think we will see Ezra's story continued in animation. At least I hope we do. Uh, that seems to be Filoni's go-to. Uh, Disney has a good animation studio, and I just watched Phineas and Ferb, Candace Against the Universe, which was finished all remote because of COVID. There's no reason they could not get this off the ground with COVID right now remote with the actors, remote with the animators, and get us a series going that finishes this story. Um, That's not to say that Mandalorian won't be a backdoor into this series, but I don't know if it will be continued live action, though I wonder why you sign Rosario Dawson if you don't plan on using her for more than one episode of a TV show. That's something else. But I do hope at some point we get Ezra's story finished and I would prefer it in a series format preferably animated or live action over a movie a comic book or a book series absolutely yeah that's that's a good point um and everyone just froze for me yeah can you hear me 
I think it's a good point because, you know, and like I just said about the Bad Batch, it's something that, and you said about, let's get it off the ground. They can do this stuff remotely now. And, but like you said, the only argument is why hire Rosario Dawson? Yeah, there's an Ahsoka show that's, you know, rumored, but there's got to be more to that contract than just that. Go ahead, Moses. Well, I think the Mandalorian and their, I, f- I forget, what, what did they call their stage? The whole set with the screen? The void. Over. What? The void. The void. So I think that literally changed the game. I mean, everybody on that documentary was saying it. And I do know that a lot of filming has picked back up. You know, everybody's trying to adapt to how things are with this pandemic. But, you know, when you're thinking about how you, you'd have to travel and get all these plane tickets and all this cast and crew to go to a desert, to go here, to go there. I mean, using that set right now is an automatic plus to the pandemic. It's like, hey, we don't have to go anywhere. We're right here. You know what I mean? We, we got this closed set. We got to just follow the pandemic protocols. So I do believe that, you know, Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka and any live action if anything, if there was one like story that's more plausible or easier to make live action, it's on that set. Like that's as good as it gets. Um, and so, yeah. you know, here's to hoping or whatever, but that, that, you know, that, that can definitely like get things And to you know, to what Jake said, there's a reason they went out of their way to get, you know, Kanan's voice in, in what Ray heard, but not Ezra's. So Ezra's story is still out there. But yeah, I agree. I don't think he's in he's in this unit, you know, in this galaxy per se. And I, you know, I think we were texting about this the other day, and it's just like, yeah, everything's happening in this galaxy, but there's so many galaxies, you know, like there can be so much stuff, so many. And you know, when Ryan Johnson said they had his own trilogy, and, and it would be completely separate. I mean, who says it's not in another galaxy? Obviously, the Force to this, it's not like a the Force just exists the way the forces explained in the story it doesn't it's a, i don't think it's just something that exists particularly in this galaxy you know what i mean it's just this energy right so whether it's in another galaxy or not it's you know maybe they 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 don't call it the force but it's the same thing and you can literally tell any story in any world in any galaxy in this quote-unquote universe and you don't even have to literally call it the force it's gonna be there they might call it something else they might not be jedi knights they might be some other monks that that use it and some other evil villains that use it but it's so open to be able to tell these stories and i got so excited you know when they said about his trilogy and you know the 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 fact that these space wheels just disappear carrying thrawn and stuff it it leaves that open obviously i think the ezra thrawn is still going to be connected to quote-unquote our galaxy or the one that the story takes place Mm -hmm. but yeah um it's just it's such an open world you can do anything and it, yeah it's fun to see things in in this timeline that we're all used to but it's it's time to step forward and you know that's one of the things that actually upset me with the high republic yeah i'd love to see that but you're still you know you're only 200 years back but you're still talking about coruscant you're still talking about yoda and i again i love to see it but you know let's see something new 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 like new new yeah, the the talk about like the, like what's beyond the outer rim, you know, like Chiss space. The Chiss was a great addition back in the day. It was kind of like opening up your mind to that. 
uh, also in the EU, the Yuzong Vong, the same thing. It's like they wrote a 20 book series uh, and it was just like this alien species that came out of nowhere. So there are worlds out there. Let's let's see if we can tell stories there. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, does anybody have any thoughts before we close out tonight? Final thoughts? Go no? watch Rebels if you haven't watched Rebels. That's it. That was, <laughs> that was part of my ending spiel. If you haven't seen that. <laughs> That's it. Well, you know, guys, thank you uh, for joining me tonight on uh, Star Warriors. Uh, it's always a pleasure to geek out about our uh, favorite sci-fi uh, franchise. And, uh, you know, uh, listeners, you can check out this and other episodes on don'tforgettotell.com. And we will see you next time. May the Force be with you.